Hello everyone, this is Kisa Shreen, and today's topic is ethnic diversity on corporate boards. It's a topic that companies should have been covering a long time ago, quite frankly, but with racial injustice movements like Black Lives Matter, corporate board diversity is a way that companies can show a commitment to racial justice and take a stand against discrimination in business. Our guest today is Sadir Rock Sinet, Head of Thought Leadership and ESG at Vontable Quality Growth Boutique. Sudhir, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So we know, Sudhir, that recently you conducted an independent study on this topic. I'm really curious as to the main themes or the main outcomes that you saw from this study. Yes, yeah, so we, um, we, we're sort of asset managers. We, we invest in equities only equities, long-term investors. And so for us, we wanted to understand, um, you know, how these sort of balances are structured at the board level of companies, of the balance of, of racial uh, balance across the boards. And the, and the boards matter because they're the ones that set the tempo. They're the ones who are able to lead, uh, uh, you know, the mentoring required to make the, uh, to make the balance last of new people joining and people as they go through their careers. And so we looked at the, we wanted to look at that. And the first thing we came across when we were looking in greater detail is the lack of available data. Um, there are some companies that provide it, but it costs tens of thousands of dollars to get it. So we did a study. We decided, well, we'll just dig into it ourselves. It's the same way it's done by the providers. And so it's literally going through hundreds or thousands of names uh, of board members across the top S&P listed companies. And so we looked at the top 150 names in the S&P um, and to sort of get an idea of the layout of the, uh, you know, of the, of the board. And um, so sort of once we'd identified this, we wanted to sort of get an idea of how the sort of where are the more diverse boards, where are the less diverse boards, just trying to understand are there any ongoing sort of uh, patterns um, of racial diversity or lack of that is sort of showing up through through the uh, through the different boards. I mean, w we already know from uh, the you know the work um, done that uh, the the board seats are not very well diversified. You know, the population in the U.S. Uh, the minority population um, is 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 you know is from the U.S. Census is about 40% of the U.S. population. About 29% of the of the population have bachelor's degrees are are minority. So it's, there's not a shortage of, of of trained candidates, but only 16% of the Fortune 500 board seats were held by people with a background from a from from a minority from an ethnic background. And so um, we wanted to look and have a look. And what we found when we ran these first uh, 500 150 names. Uh, was that health, you know, and IT were the areas where you found the most uh, diverse boards. And then at the least diverse, we found IT again and real estate. And from that, what was quite interesting was IT at both ends. And you look further yeah. and you see that in the information technology, of course, there's a lot of different types of companies. And the companies that are more international, faster moving change in technology, tended to be the companies that had the greater ethnic diversity, you know, the, 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 the alphabets, Google, or the, you know, the apples, mm -hmm. and the ones which had slightly more domestic-focused businesses, like the payments companies, tend to have less 
diversified boards. Um, and, and, so, and real estate also being an example of not an industry with not a huge amount of innovative change compared to something like, if you think of Google or, you know, the big mm-hmm. IT companies, there's the sort of less. And so that, that's, that was the sort of the first, uh, there, there was a, a number of different findings, uh, but that was, I think, perhaps the most interesting. The ones with the more diversity had more international business and tended to be more uh, change on, the, on, the, on, on their business. So let's take that a step further, and, and really interesting to hear, especially that tech was on both ends, depending on the type of tech company, um, whether it's really a you know fast forward thinking tech company versus some of the payment companies. Wondering how can a company increase representation? Do they prioritize and commit? And if so, there are several groups that are underrepresented. Which groups do they prioritize with? Is there a sort of policy or a way that they could go about it? Each company um, <clears throat> has, has, has their own story, right? So um, what, we, what we do see as we read through these filings, now the companies make known what they officially do, often in states, through these SEC uh, forms that are rather dull reading, but they're really important. And they have, um, like, so there's this, there's this piece which goes out called the, the DEF 14A which is just a stunningly boring name for a really interesting actual report. And what that does is each year when there's a meeting for shareholders, the annual general meeting, what happens is they put out these proxies, uh, these votes rather, to be decided on by shareholders. Will they renew the votes for a director? Will they renew an auditor? Are they happy with that? And and shareholders get to vote and make decisions. And um, each of these reports will outline the backgrounds of the directors that the uh, company is proposing to be voted onto the board. And they will also give the backgrounds. And but before that, they'll give a little rundown as to how they think about um, their diversity of the board. And, and in that, you'll generally find that the companies are talking about diversity of experience, diversity of gender, and diversity of racial background all uh, being important to them. And yet, when you look at the numbers, they don't always reflect what you, you know, put it this way, if they're all playing straight to those words, then they're interpreting it quite differently. I think afterwards you, you, you sort of spot these trends and then as in what we can do is we talk to the managements and first of all check to make sure we've got our data right because it's not always clear when somebody does self-identify as an ethnic minority. So you want to confirm and then start talking to them as to how they feel think of diversity, how might they be changing over time and, 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 you know, what is it that they regard as important? And then, you know, you compare that to the reality. So it's the first thing is to try to establish what you think it is, talk to them for confirmation, and then ask them to explain. And, and that's how it's sort of you, you engage in these conversations. Because the important thing as an investor is you don't want to go in guns blazing um, with a hostile um, conversation because the conversation won't last very long and they'll get annoyed and, and, and they won't really want to take your calls much after that. So you have to have a conversation and it's, it's a, ideally a positive conversation as you try to find a way that it would be a positive change for the management to see them evolving into if they haven't got there yet. 
so that sounds like, so keeping the conversation going, getting buy-in and having those conversations if you are an institutional investor talking to corporations. But even if we look more coming from a corporate hat or a board hat, we've heard of the example of Alexis Ohanian, who stepped down from Reddit's board and asked that he be replaced by a black candidate. And I know that he said that he thinks stepping aside was symbolic, specifically, you know, symbolically saying, I'm giving up my seat at the table so you can have it. As an institutional investor, how active um, should, can you be in prompting those sorts of discussions um, and really showing those examples of board members stepping aside and board members really acknowledging the need and doing something about it actively? So there's some interesting underlying data. As usual, things aren't quite as simple. Um, what is interesting is if you have a look at the proportion of new directors that are from, um, uh, you know, either, either women or, or uh, from minorities. And you can see that it's, it's, it's at, at, they're at all-time highs. Um, and if, if you have a look at sort of women, for example, in 2019, about 45% of new board members were, were, were female. And um, for the S&P, about 21% of new board members were, were of ethnic backgrounds. Now, that may not sound like a high number, but it's a lot better than 13% back in 2014. Um, and so what you're finding is these increasing trends. The problem is the change in the number of seats is still relatively low. So the turnover is actually kind of part of the, part of the issue is the turnover stays um, you know, in the low uh, double digits. And so because there aren't many uh, new seats, even with a high proportion, it takes a long time for these changes to come through. Um, I, I mean, uh, the feeling is, is that uh, uh, quite a few of these boards are certainly not overstaffed. Um, I mean, we, we have a sort of a red flag model. If we see a board with 15 members, above 15 members, we think that's, tans that's too much. Typically, there's no science to it. We just feel that, you know, having a conversation with 15 people and deciding a decision is, is just, that's an awful large board. But at the other end, say four or five might be too small because you want that sort of skill set blend. And so there is the potential for a lot of boards to be able to add to them. I mean, typically, you'd rather sort of see them find an ideal balance and then evolve and change. But these things don't happen quickly. The important thing is, is that we want the change momentum to be, to be genuine and sustainable, done for the right reason. And you want to keep seeing that percentage of new directors going up from the 14% five years ago uh, to that sort of 21% in 2019, and then upwards towards that sort of 30 40%, um, like you're, what you're seeing with female directors. You want to see that increasing, but not just through force. And so management's are on the defensive, doing it because they otherwise, you know, all the boards are going to get fired by shareholders under force. You want them to do it for the right reason that these new hires, these new people on the board, bring something that will make the company better. Great example. I've heard you say you have to bring them in for the right reason. So clearly, the, is there a situation where you think a company has brought a person of color in for a wrong reason? Are there numerous examples of that, or is that something that we um, that we haven't seen? No, not 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 actually on the racial side. There were at the beginning some examples that we spotted where female directors were being appointed who had backgrounds that we couldn't understand why they're on the board. Uh, you know, 
and we figured that appeared just like window dressing. You know, say, oh, we must have women on the board, then we'll hire, and then, you know, problem solved. Data now says that we have two out of 11 are female. And that didn't make sense because we weren't seeing a positive contribution and there wasn't a buy-in. And, and at that point, it was, it was marketing and not, you know, function. You want it to be functional. And so that, I just say that because we saw that at the beginning with the female director, there was a lot of pressure to do it, and some companies were, you know, you'd spot it. Um, where we haven't seen this on the racial side. It's still earlier in the game. And I think uh, what we don't want to see is that happening. We want to see really well-qualified people. And, and I think, you know, people like Ken Chenault being put on the board of Berkshire Hathaway uh, is, is, is uh, you know, ex-CEO ex of American Express, um, a, a very interesting um, first I, I believe the only minority on the board of Berkshire Hathaway, but it's, it's an important step. Absolutely. That, you're right. That is a great kitchen. It's great, great addition. I'm wondering, can institutional investors work along with the boards to make sure that they understand that where the pipeline can come from? I, it sounds like um, if there is, I know pinkwashing is a term in terms of bringing on and onboarding um, people based on gender. That's something that I've heard. Um, is there a role for the investor and the corporates to work together to get down to the bottom of, you know, where the fault lies. Because I don't think the fault lies with the folks who are, you know, being asked or not being asked to be on the board, correct? I think if, if we, if who, who needs to do the work right here? Is that the company? It's a relay race, right? One person mm -hmm. hands off the baton to the next person hands off and each has a specialty. The, mm -hmm. the, you know, the end owners are people with their 401ks, are, are people saving for their future or state plans, people who are investing money representing a lot of employees. Ultimately, most of the savings in the world are personal savings, right? And um, whether they're owned by government on behalf of the people or for the people, for their personal savings. And they invest it. They put that money. They work as employees. They save as investors. And they put that with managers, and they ask the managers to do certain things with their money. They want good returns, but they also want things increasingly, you're hearing this very loud and clear from, from the savers, we want the companies to be run in a sensible way that's sustainable, because we're realizing we're part of what happens at the, at the tail end of the, of the balance. And from that, the managers talk to the boards. So you get the, 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 the savers talk to the managers. The managers talk to the boards, because they represent the owners, and the boards hire the CEO, and, the, and he hires the executive team. So the order goes that way. So the, the same way we wouldn't think of a saver to be in a good position to tell a board what to do, because they're just not necessarily familiar with what goes on at the board level, we, we wouldn't think of a manager typically providing a good list of candidates to a board because each sort of has their area of specialization. It's more you take guidance from the layer above downwards. And um, so we wouldn't expect investors typically to be a good source of recruiting board members. Now, from time to time, there will be observations or, you know, uh, we had a case recently where we found a couple of candidates for board members for a company, one of our holdings in India, and we proposed it to the board and we'd, we'd, we'd done that. But I wouldn't recommend that be a, a sensible way of it typically happening. It's, it's for the owners to give their views and to share their views with the board and for the board then to figure out where they want to do with it and leave that 
to the board to go out and use a uh, an HR specialist or you know hiring specialist to go and find the right candidates. Um, so I wouldn't expect institutional investors to be the ones actually finding candidates. More setting uh, a, 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 a direction which would make sense to the board to pursue. Sudhir, that, that's a great that's a great point. So if we're looking at a company who does not commit to diversity on the boards, what are the reputational risks of doing that? Well, I think the um, I think there is a reputational risk. Uh, that will increasingly uh, become uh, uh, visible as the data becomes more available. Because this old adage that it's hard to change things you can't measure, it's certainly the case for a lot of things with business. You can measure how many female board members there are. You can measure pay differences between CEO and average employee. And once they become public, then there's a lot more focus on it. Currently in the States, the minority um, or the makeup, the ethnic makeup of the board is not a disclose, required disclosure. So there isn't data. But as this, I think you'll find that there's these kind of information as it becomes more publicly available and more managers and more analysts focus on the data. So Sudhir, I'm wondering, with, it sounds like transparency is really the key here, having that data being transparent. How long do you think it will be before the type of unrest that we're seeing from a social perspective? How long do you think it'll take um, until that sort of activism hits companies, if it hasn't already, where there is a very clear level of activism um, around bringing, a very clear, very sharp level of activism around bringing diversity into diversity into boards? Well, I, I think a lot of it will have will, will follow the the disclosures, uh, and that follows regulation. And there is currently um, a a bill being worked on in the House uh, from uh, Congress people from New York to try to increase the disclosures. The SEC has also got comments out for disclosures that would be useful. Um, and I think it's going to follow that. Um, and and. This is something, if you think of accounts when they first came out in the 60s and they started format, you know, being formed, um, you saw that the focus back then was really on assets, hard assets like you know, factories and, and machines and trucks. And increasingly, the value has moved from the hard assets to the people assets, to you know, mm. uh, IP, right, intellectual property, um, the creativity, uh, you know, um, the development of, of products and software, and because they're very cheap to manufacture, you know, knocking out another, you know, 10,000 uh, copies of a piece of software is, is almost no cost at all. And so the value sits with the people. And so the accounts haven't followed that. And so they, we need that value coverage to move and update towards the new uh, structure of the value. And that's covering a lot more of the people, even turnover of employees is not a required disclosure. So if a company had had a turnover of 5% a year, say for 10 years, and then suddenly had a turnover of 20%, and then a turnover of 30%, unless it was something in the news or a third-party site like a Glassdoor or something like that, you wouldn't know about it from the company itself unless they chose to tell you. It wouldn't be a required disclosure. Yet it's of great significance at a fundamental level to the value of the company, there might be something going really wrong, um, but you wouldn't know it. And so I think that's an you know an illustration of how you know the, the catch up has needs to happen. Thank you so much. We've learned a lot today. 
And we certainly learned a lot about how we can bring racial and ethnic diversity onto corporate boards. First of all, there is obviously a huge need to make corporate boards more ethnically and racially diverse. Next, the way to make that change and to the way to really bring about change to these boards is to, first of all, shareholders reviewing the Dev 14A form, which informs shareholders about prospective board members. What are their backgrounds? What are they bringing to the table? Next, shareholders can get third-party opinions on prospective board members. And finally, very importantly, the importance of shareholder voting. Voting adds pressure and makes change possible. Just like any other vote, thoughtful shareholder voting is the primary lever that shareholders have to make lasting change. And as always, transparency is key. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. You can even check us out on YouTube now. Thank you for joining. See you next time.